BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank. Be bold. Venture wisely. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Mic check, check one, check two. Are we here? All right, we're here right now. Ish. Hey, what's up, y'all? Welcome to the latest episode of Right Nowish. I'm your host, Pendarvis Harshaw. Today, we're taking you back to school. This is the season for new school clothes, new school supplies, as well as new sweet memories. You know, the joys and trials of making new friends, getting into childhood mischief, and learning the three R's, as well as my favorite thing childhood literacy. It was the First day of summer vacation. Vacation. I'm going to brag right now. That's my kid reading. You check out new books from the library every other week, and this one is new to us. It's called Alejandra Fights Back. It's about a nine-year-old girl seeing that her neighborhood is changing. She and her mom get an eviction notice, but Alejandra doesn't let that stop her. She rallies her community to help. Alejandra Fights Back. This book is all about equal rights. This book is already about equal rights. And the book that you're hearing is illustrated by East Bay artist Robert Lou Trujillo. He paints everyday scenes from a kid getting their first haircut to playing by Saw Salt Creek. The scenes of childhood. Finding the stories that speak to your lived experience, that's what we're talking about today. It's important to know where you come from. It's important to exercise your imagination, read for fun, and really be able to go other places. So many of us grow up not getting books that inspire us or invigorate us or make us want to read more. Today, Robert Lou Trujillo discusses what pushed him to create books that center the stories of black and brown youth. He's a specialist of kids' literature. Kids lit, as they call it. All of that and more coming up in 4, 3, 2, I am Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. 
That's podcast with an S. Thanks. Right now, ish. I grew up as a kid who didn't like reading. I actually hated reading and didn't want to mess with it at all. When I became a dad and started getting books for my son, um, who inspired me to want to get into this, um, I was really frustrated that there weren't more books about kids like him and about kids like me. And I was thinking back when I was a kid, it made a connection for me as to why I did not enjoy reading very much. And I didn't really enjoy it until I got to, to college. When I decided to you know, get into kids' books, I, I really had that in mind, like wanting to make some books for the younger version of me, make some books for my son and for other kids like us so that they could find something first that was like a reflection, but also like, wow, this is fun to read. When I got into it, I thought, you know, I'll just get into the business, I'll just get into the industry and just draw and just paint and just do the visuals. But quickly I found out that in order to have more power, you not only have to write the story to tell your own story as it is, but also authors have just a lot more cachet, a lot more pull in terms of the industry. So I was like, I gotta learn how to write as well. And that was super challenging. Because I've written papers, like academic papers, I sometimes have to scale myself back, you know, like, oh, okay, I'm not writing for college right now. You know, I'm writing for the general population. And so you as somebody who's not classically trained as a writer, like how did you step into that? In the beginning, it was just a lot of stumbling and trying to find out what is this? Uh, who, who does it and who does it well? What do I like? That just meant reading like a gang of books, like tons of picture books, tons of comics, tons of uh, middle grade books. It's becoming kind of a, a hoarding problem because I got a hell of books in the house, but reading a lot helped helped me really understand the craft and like what's good flow. Um, and then I think being a parent too, if you read a book with your kid, most people know there are certain books that are like, all right, cool, we'll read that one. It, it, there's a flow to it. And there's other books that your kids pick up, they're like, not that one again, because it's just super long. It's too many words. It's just, you know, it's not fun to read. You end up hiding that book. So um, there's some instinctual knowledge there. And then there's just a lot of uh, reading what great writers are doing. You're hella funny. That that bedtime story can turn into like you're reading like the Iliad or something like the Odyssey, you know. Exactly. You're like for real. Like I sometimes do that thing where I turn the page but I grab three pages at a time. <laughs> like skip. Exactly. When you made the decision to be a kids lit author, you were taking in a lot of books. Uh, what were some of those foundational titles? There was a lot of visuals that spoke to me. So one of them is Kadir Nelson. He's an incredible oil painter, and he does things that are very realistic and things that are kind of exaggerated. When I first saw his books, you know, he had stories that a lot of times were about black history, um, sometimes about historical figures or uh, times in slavery, but sometimes were very imaginative stories as well. And when I first saw his stories, I was just like, wow, that is just amazing. I don't think I could ever paint like him, but it inspired me to want to catch someone's eye the way it caught my eye. On the writing side of things, Robert says that he got his inspiration to write stories for his drawings after he read the work of a legendary science fiction author. Octavia Butler, when I was a kid, my mom was reading her and she was like, you should check her out. And I was like, whatever, mom. <laughs> and she's like, no, you, I think you would like her. And I just 
for whatever reason, you know, as a kid, I just wasn't trying to hear it. And then as she started to get more popularity, this is maybe around like the mid 2000s. I was like, let me let me go back and read this. And as I started to read her, I was just blown away. I really just enjoyed a book. Like I, I lost time and really didn't know where I was, but I would I would just go through her book and like page turn it because she was so good at telling a story. While Robert doesn't write science fiction books for kids, you can say that his philosophy is totally aligned with sci-fi and Afrofuturist principles in that he's imagining black kids and their parents as central figures in shaping our futures. Explain to me your process in, in creating these worlds. For example, your, your, your latest book, We Are Yoga, Somos Yoga. What was the process in creating that one? Yeah, so Jill Guerra, shout out to Jill Guerra. She, um, she's a, a mindfulness and yoga teacher. She got an idea for doing a book where she basically explains what the poses are. Because a lot of people are with it and they're like, yeah, this is dope. I can't wait for my kid to do that. And other kids are like, is this the devil? And so this book is like one way, to, not only for parents, but for educators to kind of share. This is what the name of the pose is. This is what you do. And it's in English and in Spanish. When you open the book, you'll see a bilingual dedication to the children of Oakland. And every page you turn is a different kid doing a different pose. And there's an affirmation to repeat while following along. My breath is my guide. I inhale, I exhale. Each kid is painted in watercolor fashion with earth tone hues. It's got this serene quality to it. Also cool is that one kid has a wheelchair, another one wears a head wrap, and then there's another one rocking a soccer jersey. The point is, yoga is for everyone. It don't matter about your body or skin color or dress. Over several years, we go back and forth and she would tell me a pose, uh, give me some ideas and then I would illustrate it and then uh, she would give me some feedback to kind of tweak it and improve it or to make it more like kids that she sees. You are well connected to other Bay Area authors of children's books. What's it like being in that circle? I, I, I often will relate the Bay Area kids book scene to hip-hop. I think of like, you know, you could be Hyro, you could be The Click from Vallejo, you could be uh, Forte. It's really dope to see the different styles that come from um, the kids lit community in terms of the stories they choose, how they write, and even the formats that they choose. Um, and I would love to do like a compilation, like back in the day you'd have like the rompilation or like, uh, you know, the whole damn yay. I figured by now y'all realize that hip-hop and rap won't stop Putting it together like a racing track Where's all my Latino, Filipino, and SA partners at? Every year for, I want to say, the past six years, um, me and several other people, uh, Laura Atkins, Maya Gonzalez, Matthew Smith, Eno Santo Nagara, Janine Macbeth, and then there's been like a, a rotating crew of folks that came in and out. We organized something called the Social Justice Children's Book Holiday Fair, and that's basically uh, all volunteer run event where we bring uh, kids book authors and illustrators together literacy organizations and sometimes performers like alphabet rockers or drag queens will come and read uh, and then we get a bunch of local bay area people who make books together and just give them opportunity to to sell we, we were talking before and one of the people that you know from this circle has had a book that was banned is that right the name of the book is called one of a kind like me unico y como yo and it's written by lauren mayeno i illustrated the book lauren wrote it she wrote this story about her real-life experience with her son who wanted to wear a dress to the school parade. 
when this actually happened, she wasn't as supportive as she would have liked to be. This is what she told me. She, she didn't have like all the answers and didn't know how to react the best way. But when she wrote this story, she didn't want to write it from a place of trauma. She wanted to make it something that was supportive for gender fluid children or gender questioning children or queer kids. The story is very matter-of-factly supportive. Both her and her father in the story, who's the child's grandfather, are like, yep, let's do it. The power of that book is that not only is it in English, but it's in Spanish, is that it brings that conversation to lots of children. And when we've presented, there are kids who will say, like, can you do that? And we're like, can you? And, and then other kids will be like, yeah, you can do that. You can totally do that. The kids get it, they understand it. Even if they don't get it, they instinctually know the questions to ask because sometimes they'll ask us and rather than say, here's what it is, we'll reflect that question back to them. They're, they're super sharp, they're super intelligent, they're very curious and they're very open-minded. As of late, you've seen a lot of calls for activism and some of that activism is surface level and some of it is deeply rooted in community and and how do you suss out like what's a good book about activism for children versus like nah don't even read that don't waste your time oh i love this question because there is a gang of people jumping on the activism bandwagon to be like yeah we all about that but i think the great place to draw the line for children is to show them not just beliefs but action so it's not just a protest, but it's like bringing it to City Hall or it is like organizing or it is um, a concrete step that makes a, a small, even if incremental change. Because a lot of them will be like a book about flag waving, basically It'd be like, yeah, we're down with this. But for like kids to understand it's not just an individual, but a, a much larger system at work. Who are we bringing the fight to and why? And so I, I love when kids books can kind of throw that in there and illustrate it and not hit you over the head with it. Again, we're not trying to like make kids be uh, professors when they're children. It should be something they read and enjoy and, and be for fun, but it should also um, challenge them and their parents, so to speak. People can quote statistics and stats and give you a study about something, but if someone tells you a really human story about what someone has gone through and you feel their emotion and the uh, get a human connection and kind of step into their shoes, you remember it a lot more and understand it better, I think. Have you ever come across a children's book that um, eloquently discusses an issue, a topic better than you could have done? And so you rely on that to explain something to one of your children? I mean, one that comes to mind is um, The Best That We Could Do by T. Boy. She's a, a local Bay Area author and cartoonist. And her book is about, you know, her family's forced migration from Vietnam. So even if you don't understand the national or uh, international policy of the U.S. and how it affects other countries and why there's so many Southeast Asians in the Bay or in Minneapolis, if you read that book, you get an understanding of what some of those families went through and what people are still going through um, because trauma can be passed down. After reading something like that or any book like a heavy topic, how do you debrief? I think it, it varies on their age group. Like when my son was younger, I would have said, what are five things you heard from me? And he would have been like, yeah. The older they get, the, the smarter they get. So he knows when I'm trying to like put my teacher hat on and be like, you know, let's, let's, let's discuss this. And he's like, man, please, I'm not trying to, I don't want to discuss this. Um, I, what I, I think what, what is helpful to do is to appeal to their intelligence or, or, or their interest and kind of like 
maybe make an argument and see if they agree or disagree. Be like, I thought this, you know, I thought this was really great. You know, do you agree? And they'll be like, no, nah, I don't agree at all. Or they could be like, yeah, here's why. And I think that's a good way to get the convo going. Big love and much appreciation of Robert, man. We've been crossing paths in the community for years, so this conversation was long overdue. I've got to give a big shout out to his latest book, Art of Rob, a compilation of sketches, drawings, paintings, and more, all created between 2015 and 2020. It's kind of like a blueprint for those who want to know more about his creative process. To find that or any of Robert's work, check out www.work.robdontstop.com or you can find him on Instagram at Robert underscore Trace, T-R-E-S. The producer of this episode is Marisol Medina Cadena. Susie Rideshow and Jen Chien edited this episode. Seal Muller is our engineer. Our engagement team is Justin Ebrahimi and Ria Girawal. Our engagement intern is Amara Ibianasi. Our production intern is Corey Antonio Rose. Kiana Mogadam is our senior producer of podcasts. KQED execs are Jen Chien, David Marcus, and Holly Kernan. I'm your host, Pendarvis Harshaw. Thank you all for listening. Peace. Right Now-ish is a KQED production. And there better be some peace. <laughs> I was trying to, just, trying to stylize it, you know? Change it up. Funding for Right Now-ish comes from Akhenati Foundation, supporting the development of powerful social change movements to eliminate structural racism. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey, what's up? I'm Pendarvis Harshaw, the host of KQED's Right Nowish podcast. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.